Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campia, and this is a companion video. What are companion videos? Well, I'm awfully glad that you asked. See, every day on the John Campia Show, Monday through Friday, we take the second half of the show to take your live comments and questions. However, we usually don't have enough time to get through all the live questions that get sent in. But since you sent in those tips and support of the channel and sent in those questions, I want to make sure you don't have to wait too awful long to get them answered. So we gather up the unused ones and we address them here on companion videos and today is sunday august the first it's a new month already I, I swear it feels like july just started a few days ago it is crazy but anyway let's not waste any more time and get caught up on those questions shall we we're going to get things started off here with as soon as i'm able to bring up uh his question here where is this question there it is we're going to start things off here with the sock and the sock writes by the way do you ever think you'll visit good old smashville i'd love to meet you well to be honest, I don't know what Smashville is. I'm, I'm going to make an assumption for a second and guess that Smashville is a nickname for Nashville, maybe? Anyway, if it is, and I don't know that it is, but if it is, um, I've visited Nashville a couple of times. Actually, a really good buddy of mine, a very, very good friend of mine, his name's Jeff, uh, who uh, you know hung out with me up in Canada. He moved down to Nashville and he runs a big successful business of his own down there now. Like he, he runs a lighting company and by lighting, I don't mean like lights in your house. What he does is he designs and puts together and gears up for major, major music concert tours. And he does all the lighting design and the light show and everything for big, big, biggest of the big name concerts. And he's made a huge, huge success out of his business down there. So, And I've got other friends in Nashville as well. So I've gone out to visit there a couple of times, and I'm sure I'll visit there again. But again, I don't even know if Smashville means Nashville or not, so whatever. All right, BK Dan writes, John and Co. Well, it's just me right now. I uh, just want to make sure that everybody knows about uh, Dusty Hill, ZZ Top, uh, dead at 72 according to Deadline. Yeah, I, I was... I was bummed out to hear about this. Now, we haven't heard a lot from ZZ Top in a while, but I'll tell you what, one of their songs, one of the anthems um, when I was a, a little kid growing up was, Every girl crazy about a shop dressed man. Do, do, do. I remember it used to be Don Cherry's theme song. For, you know, Don Cherry had his own show for a while. And that was his theme song. Um, yeah, I couldn't believe they were the, one of the most iconic visually recognizable rock bands of the era. And it was really, really sad to hear that. Thanks for sharing that, Dan. All right, next up, we got Suthius who writes, I may be biased here, but when it comes to changing Magneto's tragedy for uh, the changing of the times, and because I'm Cambodian, I would personally love to see a Magneto born from the Kumar rogue genocide of almost 2 million Cambodians in the late 1970s. So for those of you who don't know what Suthius is talking about, over the last couple of years, the whole discussion about Magneto and what do you do about Magneto with the X-Men now? Because traditionally, his origin stories have been, even when you go back to that first big X-Men movie, his origins have been as a young kid coming out of the concentration camps under the Nazis, right? The problem is you can't do that anymore because it's too long ago. It means Magneto now would have to be in his 90s. And so what you need to do is come up with a new origin story. And the important thing about his story is not that he came out of the concentration camps. The important thing about his story is that as a young man, he saw the absolute worst in humanity. And that's why some people like myself have been saying there have been other more recent um major, major tragedy showing the absolute worst and most vile of evil that humanity has to offer that would turn a young man's heart against the human race entirely. And, you know, whether it's things like the genocide in Rwanda, the Cambodian one, there have been, there's been some, some uh, Eastern European ones. There are other ones like that, but the Cambodian one, Suthius, is actually pretty good too, so I'd be all for that one as well. All right, next up, Tron writes, I don't know why folks are tripping over a Spider-Man trailer. Most people that are are going to see the film regardless. Uh, Sony has Venom 2 and Ghostbusters both coming out before it. In my opinion, if there's no trailer by Venom, then maybe I'd start to wonder what's going on. Completely agree with you, Tron. There's just no... We are now just about five months out. It's still almost five months away. There's no reason for there to be a Spider-Man 3 trailer out already. I mean, it would have been perfectly okay if there was. Five months is an acceptable range of time. 
So it would have been perfectly fine if there was, but there's really no need for there to be a Spider-Man 3 trailer yet. But I agree with you. If we get all the way to the next Venom and still don't have a Spider-Man 3 trailer, then I might start suspecting that Sony might be planning to push Spider-Man No Way Home into 2022 uh, instead. But until that happens, I really don't think there's any need to worry about it. All right, next up. We've got uh, Jerry, Gary, Larry, Terry, Barry writes. One of two. Hi, John. Hello there. Uh, I saw a question on your companion video about shows making mistakes when it comes to locations. Yeah, somebody was talking about that. Um, and they are that. Okay, let me start this again. I saw a question on your companion video about shows making mistakes when it comes to locations they are supposedly set in. For me, being from Indiana, Parks and Rec always makes me laugh, especially in one episode where Leslie is on a date uh, at the Indianapolis Aquarium. Indianapolis doesn't have an aquarium, so that episode just gets me every time. Me and my wife always joke that we need to go there on a date anyway. Thanks for always putting on a great show. Here's the funny thing about Parks and Rec. You know, Ann and I now live out in Riverside, but we, for the last seven years, have lived in Burbank. And pretty much almost every set for Parks and Rec was in Burbank, except for City Hall. Like, Pawnee's City Hall, where most of the show takes place, is actually the Pasadena City Hall. Pasadena, which is right beside Burbank. So Ann and I, on several occasions, would go into Pasadena, we'd go hang out in downtown Pasadena, and we'd always visit the Parks and Rec City Hall. Whenever we go there, we always start like we always start singing the theme song and we've taken pictures of ourselves in front of us like, look, but yeah. And then the diner that they always go to is right there in Burbank as well. So yeah, we would always joke about that one. All right, next up, uh, Tron writes, I saw Snake Eyes and I agree it sucked ass, but after the critical and box office failure uh, to it made me wonder... Let me try this again. After the critical and box office failure too, comma, it made me wonder what will Paramount do with the G.I. Joe franchise now? Another movie? Streaming show? Is G.I. Joe dead? What do you think? Well, look, there's, there's a couple of big problems that they're facing with the failure of Snake Eyes. It wasn't just that the movie's terrible. And it is terrible. And it hurts me to say that because if you guys watch my show on a regular basis, you know how excited I was for Snake Eyes. And I love the trailers. I know some people were kind of indifferent to the trailers. I love the trailers. I thought the trailers were great. I thought the movie was going to be great. I love Henry Golding's in it. Andrew Koji's in it. I mean, I, there was so much that it had going for it that made me legitimately excited. However, it completely flopped at the box office. Even in relation to other COVID-era movies that have come out, it's still, you have to consider it a huge flop, even compared to other COVID-era movies. So much so that it's not just because the movie's bad. The movie being bad, I mean, most people don't know if it's bad or not until opening weekend happens. Nobody was interested in going out to see it. And one of the things that, you know, I think it was Rob and I talked about on the John Campus show the other day was that I think we have to consider that the G.I. Joe franchise itself is just simply not that popular. I mean, we look at one of its contemporaries, of course, Transformers, has proven to be very popular and has, you know, continued to have success and all that kind of stuff. But is there really any hunger for G.I. Joe? I don't think there is. I think some of us, like, obviously I have hunger for it, but... And I, I'm sure some of you have hunger for it too, but I think we might have to look in the mirror and admit that we're in the minority. Because if people were really hungry for a G.I. Joe movie and people were really excited about G.I. Joe and anything G.I. Joe, this movie would have made minimum, triple, and even triple wouldn't have been a lot, but it would have minimum made triple on its opening weekend. And then maybe after everybody saw it was terrible, it might have nosedived after that. But nobody was interested in going to see it. And that is a big problem. It's, it's actually a bigger problem for them than the movie being terrible. They could survive the movie being terrible. But the public basically saying with their wallets that we're not interested in this movie, that's the bigger problem. So the question becomes, what do they do with this G.I. Joe property now? I think it's dead. I mean, obviously, with this thing being called Snake Eyes G.I. Joe Origins, th this was the plan. This was planned to be the start of a new G.I. Joe franchise. 
And it's not just that this movie was terrible. It's not just that it bombed at the box office. It's that they now have this kind of irrefutable data that people just aren't all that interested in G.I. Joe. And even if they wanted to try it again, now they have this terrible Snake Eyes movie that is going to present a bit of a problem for people like me who were totally let down by this movie and even wanting to give them another chance. So I'll be honest with you. I think this G.I. Joe iteration is now done. I think they're going to have to go back to the drawing board, regroup, and then try relaunching the franchise again in a few years. But as far as this iteration of G.I. Joe, and I have, by the way, don't take my word for it. I, I don't know this. I don't know this for a fact. I'm just speculating as a fan, but it seems to me, I think this thing's probably done. I think it's probably done. So we'll find out. Thanks for asking about that, Tron. All right, next up, Ben Rayner writes, Hey, John. Uh, first, I meant to say 10 days ago, I started. Oh, I remember this because you wrote this in the other day. Yeah, uh, I first I meant to say 10 days ago, I started watching that 100 movies in 100 days. Second, you wondered if uh, Wilder uh, Pryor, that's Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder. They did a number of films together. Uh, hold up. And I would argue they do. Well, I would argue they do as well, because it was my first time watching and I was cracking up, except one scene in Silver Streak. Uh, in the said scene, Pryor and Wilder were running from cops in the train station. Wilder needed to, to disguise and Pryor got some shoe polish. And I'll let you figure out. The, yeah, that wouldn't hold up so well today. Uh, but in my opinion, that scene makes me go, yikes, but it's a different time. Uh, but other than that, one scene, Silver Streak is really uh, funny, but it's probably my least favorite of the collapse between Gene and Richard. My favorite being Another You. Anyway, today I watched Insomnia for this first time. Looking forward to it. Thanks for everything. Bring on the filthy. Well, thanks for writing that in, Ben. And yeah, look, again, I said it the other day. I'll, I'll read it already again. Uh, Hear No Evil, See No Evil is still my favorite one that they did together. And, and to me, it holds up. That is a movie that holds up. Uh, so I love that. But Insomnia, uh, some of you may know this, but Insomnia is actually my favorite Christopher Nolan film. A lot of people, I don't know if you'll find anybody else that'll say that. When you ask about people and say, what's your favorite Christopher Nolan film? They'll say, you know, Inception. Most of them will say The Dark Knight and for good reasons. But for me, Al Pacino, Hilary Swank, Robin Williams, Insomnia, that movie to me, is tremendously underappreciated. I think that is just a genius, genius movie. And I'm glad you had a chance to watch it, Ben. Thanks for telling me about that. All right, next up. We got Ahmed Z who writes, Hey, John, did you see Marvel announced Hawkeye start streaming on November 24th? Does this mean Ms. Marvel will be pushed back to early 2022? Thanks and bring on the filthy. Well, listen, we talked about this the other day on the John Campion show. So they have now come out and announced that there's a start date for the Hawkeye series. It's November 24th. This raises two very interesting questions. Question number one, does that mean Ms. Marvel's been pushed to 2022? That seems unlikely because it was just like a week ago or maybe two weeks ago that the uh, executive vice president of Marvel came out and she said that Ms. Marvel and Hawkeye are both coming out in 2021. That was just like a couple of weeks ago. Just like a couple of weeks ago. So if I had to guess, and I'm only speculating, I think we're going to hear about Ms. Marvel dropping before Hawkeye. Now, which raises the question, well, if Ms. Marvel's going to come out before Hawkeye, why did they announce the Hawkeye one first? I don't have an answer to that, but... It does seem, it would seem very weird that they're pushing Miss Marvel to 2022 when just like a couple of weeks ago, they said it was opening in 2021. So there's that. But we'll find out. The bigger, more interesting thing to me is, does this mean the Book of Boba Fett is being pushed to 2022? Because, you know, Disney Plus has announced that they're going to be dropping new episodes of their premium shows on Wednesdays. Well, that means the Marvel shows and that means the Star Wars shows. Are you telling me you're going to drop a Hawkeye show and a Book of Boba Fett show on the same? Because there's going to be a few weeks of overlap there. Are you telling me you're going to be debuting them at the same time? That doesn't seem to make much sense to me. So, But maybe they are. Maybe they are. But yeah, it brings two questions. Are they pushing Ms. Marvel to 22? I still suspect, but I'm only guessing. Uh, I'm still guessing Ms. Marvel will come out before Hawkeye, but I'm starting to wonder if they're going to push Book of Boba Fett to 2022. 
and and I, again, I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if that's true, but I just can't see them overlapping the shows. So I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and find out, Ahmed Z. It's a good question, man. All right, next up. James Argenta writes, with Hawkeye dropping on November 24th, if we were just talking about this, uh, it seems that we are getting an episode of Hawkeye and Boba Fett on the same day, assuming Hawkeye is at least six episodes and Boba Fett stays in December. Would you move one of the spoiler discussions to Thursday if this happens? All right. So let's say, first of all, let me be clear. I do not believe for a second, although I don't know this, I'm just guessing, I don't believe that they would drop new episodes of Hawkeye and Book of Boba Fett on the same day. Okay, I just don't believe they're going to do that. But if they do, normally I do a spoiler discussion later in the evening on Wednesday because I watch the show that drops Tuesday at midnight. And for some people, that's Wednesday morning. And then about four or five o'clock in the afternoon, Los Angeles time, that's seven or eight o'clock on the East Coast uh, in the evening. Uh, That's when I'll do my spoiler discussion. If they drop those two episodes, a Book of Boba Fett and a Hawkeye at the same time, I think I would have to. I think I would have to do one on Wednesday evening and then one on Thursday evening. But again, I just don't think it's going to come to that. They might. They might. I just, I can't see them doing it, though. We'll wait and see, Argento. We'll wait and see. All right, next up. Uh, Guillaume LaBelle writes, uh, just watched Midsommar. That movie is... That movie's something to watch. I'll, I'll just say that. Last night for the first time, and let's just say that when the credits rolled, I yelled, WTF is that? What the fuck was that? Uh, out loud, probably scaring my neighbors. Very well made, acted and shot, but man, that was something hereditary next. Well, hereditary, this is going to sound weird because hereditary is its own special kind of movie. So it's, it's very unique in its own way. Midsommar, I remember coming out a few days after I watched Midsommar, I was having dinner with uh, uh, Chris Gore, um, and he had just seen Midsommar, and we were talking about it over dinner, and we were just both like, I don't know, what what kind of drugs were they doing when they wrote this movie? And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean it's like, for those of you who have seen Midsommar, you totally know what I'm talking about. And it it was very polarizing for a lot of people. I fell on the side of, I just don't, I can't recommend that movie. I mean, I just, I didn't enjoy myself watching it, but some people saw a lot of artistic merit in it and really did enjoy it. So it's just really one of those polarizing things. So I totally get where you're coming from, man. I totally get where you're coming from. All right. Next up, we've got, uh, uh, Guillaume LaBelle writes in again. Also, I went to see Snake Eyes the other night and it was a pretty and it was pretty piss poor. Snake Eyes didn't feel like a hero at all. And by the end of it, I was completely rooting for Storm Shadow. You and me both, man. You and me both. Oh, and get this effing guy a steady cam for heaven's sakes. Well, I mean, you just highlighted my two biggest problems with the movie. I mean, it's a bad film. I mean, that's just my opinion, but I'm going to tell you my opinion. To me, it's a bad, bad film. And the two biggest problems were. Well, the action is supposed to be the highlight, but you can't understand what the hell's going on because they kept shaking the camera all over the place. You couldn't tell what the hell was going on. And secondly, I've said it before, I'll say it again. It's difficult to like a movie when you don't like the hero. And it's difficult to like the hero when he's really the villain of the film. Snake Eyes is a total asshole. Storm Shadow, you're going to, if you haven't seen this movie yet, when you go watch it, you're going to be cheering for Storm Shadow because Storm Shadow is far more honorable and righteous and like noble far more than storm shadow who or or snake eyes who is truly the villain of the film he screws storm shadow over like three times in this movie it's it's crazy i don't know how this thing got past the screenwriting like how they read this script and said you do know that snake eyes is the hero of the and i get it it can be the hero's journey and you know you take from one you take the character from one place and then you move him to another place. But he was just such an unlikable douche face that you, I just was cheering for storm shadow to kill him by the end. Anyway, very, very difficult to get into that, man. Anyway, so I share your feelings. All right, next up. Uh, Min Tran writes, I was rewatching days of future past. And I got to say, Jennifer Lawrence cannot speak Vietnamese. <laughs> I think she got all the words wrong. Well, I mean, look, I'm, I'm not going to judge because I can't speak Vietnamese either. I don't know three people because I know two Vietnamese people uh, who can speak Vietnamese very well, but I don't know three people 
in my life who can speak Vietnamese. So I'm not going to judge Jennifer Lawrence for not being able to speak Vietnamese. I mean, listen, when you've got an actor who's playing a role and their character is supposed to be able to speak some other language, I mean, they just do the best they can. <laughs> they just do the best they can. So I never noticed a problem with her Vietnamese because I don't know Vietnamese from Jack. Uh, so I respect that you noticed the difference. I'm just saying, I, I think most people probably didn't notice. Just like most people don't notice if some character speaking French-Canadian can actually speak French-Canadian because they're not French-Canadian, so they probably wouldn't notice. Whereas a lot of you know Quebecois would probably go, what the hell is that? But it is what it is. All right, next up, Lee writes, let's talk Superman and Warner Brothers slash DC. DC Comics Multiversity uh, includes Clark Kent's Kal-El, Val Zod, Calvin Ellis, uh, who is also Kal-El, uh, Captain Carrot as Superman. Do you think Warner Brothers is establishing multiple Supermen to lead into a future Multiversity movie? Thank you. I don't think so. I remember when they were first talking about um, Joker. And they were saying, like, no, it, it, we're not creating... Look... We just, with these characters, the comics have always done what if and Elseworld stories that weren't actually connected, right? They've always done it. The comics have always done it. So I remember them talking about doing this Joker movie because a lot of people are like, wait a minute, how can you do a Joker if there's no Batman? Well, because it's a great character and you could tell a really cool story about him. And not all movies need to be interconnected in some big shared cinematic universe. Remember when there just used to be great standalone stories? Anyway, and so they were very big on that. And they said, we just think we can tell a great story about Joker without it being connected to everything else. And I think what you're seeing here, while the possibilities are definitely still there, absolutely, but I think what we're seeing here is really uh, an extension of that, that they just have, look, they've got a great idea for a standalone Superman story that is separate from everything else. And we've got another great idea for a Superman story that is separate from everything else. So I really think they need to av avoid everything being multiverse, shared cinematic universe, blah, blah, blah. I think you're going to alienate a lot of people, to be honest with you. Just tell some great individual stories. Just tell, just make great movies. That's all. Just make great movies. And as long as they make great movies, like Joker, guess what? Joker, first DC film, First DC comic book film to be nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. Made over a billion dollars. I mean, it worked out pretty damn well, so I, I hope they continue with that. Now, again, Lee, I don't know that that's true. That's just the way it seems to me right now, but, you know, it could change my opinion as more information becomes available. All right, next up. We got Min Tran, who writes, one of three. I recently heard the kids show Arthur, uh, the longest running kids animated show in America, is ending next year with its 25th season. I personally love Arthur, and I'm sad to see it go. I know it's not as popular as Sesame Street or Peanuts, but do you see another network picking it up or receiving Sesame Street deal where another network and PBS split the show? Um, um, I guess that was only... Min only put in two of two. Um, well, I... I don't know. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I never watched one episode of Arthur, so I, I have no idea. But if the show has run 25 years and it's not nearly as iconic and a part of the cultural zeitgeist as Sesame Street is, maybe it was just time to end it. You know, maybe just, again, I don't know this, but maybe it was just time to end it because maybe nobody was watching it anymore. Or maybe they just felt like they'd run out of gas. Again, I'm totally saying all this in the dark because I've never even watched a single episode and I don't follow it. I'm aware of what the show is. Like, if you show me a picture of Arthur, I know who that is, but it's, uh, I just can't see the same thing happening. But again, I don't really know. I'm not, I don't follow that thing. I'm not, I don't travel in those spheres of people who understand those shows. I'm not a parent myself. So, yeah, I don't know, but I'm going to, I'm going to doubt it, man. I'm, at least for now, I'm going to, I'm going to doubt it. All right, Dune's Butthole Monster, a little bit of a wink to uh, uh, to what Aaron Cummings said the other day about the Dune sandworm. Anyway, do you think there's any glimmer of hope that Warner Brothers will rescind their plans for Dune to have a day-and-date release with their streaming service? Um, I really expect this movie to be great, and I also really want Denis Villeneuve to come back to direct a sequel. Here's the thing. 
Of course, Warner Brothers backstabbed all their partners and creative talent and all their filmmakers, and they totally backstabbed everybody. When, like a sneaky little cowardly thief in the night, they released an announcement to the world without talking to the people who financed their movies, without talking to the creatives who directed their movies, without talking to the producers who created the movies. They just made this announcement. All these movies in 2021 are going to be on HBO Max, everybody, same day they go in theaters. Backstabbed everybody. Took a big knife, stabbed everybody in the back. Prompting Denis Villeneuve, maybe the greatest filmmaker today, who's directed Dune, to write a scathing smash piece just destroying Warner Brothers. Uh, that I believe it was Variety that published his, uh, his op-ed open letter and just destroyed Warner Brothers. Um, and of course, it really reduces the chances that Dune is going to do super well at the box office, thus reducing the chances that it's going to get a sequel. It doesn't look like I thought for a long time Warner Brothers would walk back on this. I really did, especially when it came to Dune. I really thought there was a good chance here that Warner Brothers was going to walk back it on Dune and let Dune be a theatrical exclusive movie. But it doesn't look like that's happening because even with the latest trailer, it said opening in theaters and on HBO Max. The only way I could see this changing, and it's highly unlikely, is if Discovery somehow manages, and it's almost impossible, but somehow manages to fast-track the, the government approval process for Discovery to take over Warner Brothers, because, of course, Discovery is buying Warner Brothers. Uh, they're buying them away from AT&T. And, and then the news, the CEO of Discovery saying, okay, forget this nonsense about Dune being on HBO Max on the same day. It's getting a theatrical-exclusive release. But there's no way that's going to happen in time. And it's the only way I see it happening. So unfortunately, man, as much as I would love to see it, I uh, I don't think there's any getting around it now. I think they're going to sabotage Dune. They're going to undermine and undercut and sabotage and backstab Dune into getting less of a box office performance than it could have had by releasing it on HBO Max in the same day. And it's going to scare off the financers from maybe doing another one. So I, yeah, no, I just can't see it happening. I just I think it's going to release on HBO Max on the same day. I certainly hope our only hope is that true movie fans, true movie fans commit to seeing this movie the way Denis Villeneuve, the filmmaker and all the producers with it intended it to be seen on the big screen. That's the only hope for Dune getting a second film. As if all true movie fans agree amongst ourselves, we're not going to watch this on some shitty TV at home. We're going to go and watch this on the big screen the way it's meant to be seen. Short of that, Dune's in trouble. Dune's in trouble. But fingers crossed. You never know. Glorious things can happen, my friends. Glorious things can happen. All right, next up. Hitchcock is the goat, writes. One of two. I agree with you about No Time to Die and its opening weekend potential. I believe it can be, not necessarily that it will be, I believe it can be the first $100 million opening film in this COVID pandemic era. Anyway, uh, I agree with you about No Time to Die and its opening weekend potential. Although it's true that Skyfall and Spectre fell short of $100 million during the pre-COVID times, most uh, most probably know this. Uh, this is J Daniel Craig's final appearance, and it gives us an, an added must-see event quality that Skyfall Inspector didn't have. In addition to your point about built-up fan anticipation, that's true. Like the reason I believe that No Time to Die has the potential to be the first hundred million dollar film in the in the pandemic era is number one because I believe there's been so much pent-up anticipation for this film, uh, and I think it's just going to explode. I mean, it's not going to make. 170, 180, 200 million dollars opening weekend, but I believe you can hit 100. But the other thing is this if they are smart enough, if the marketing people behind it are smart enough to really advertise, see Daniel Craig, who box office wise has been their most successful bond, see Daniel Craig one last time as James Bond. I mean, that could push it over the edge. You're right about that, Hitchcock. That could just be enough to push it over that line. All right, next up. McGruber's team writes, McGruber's team, I like that. Hey, John, have you played the Friday the 13th, the game? I have not, but I remember one night me and my brother-in-law, Ray, and our buddy Ryan were sitting around, go, you know, we went down a YouTube rabbit hole, and they started showing me these clips of the game and people playing the game. It looked pretty funny. Anyway, I'm late. 
but it's the scariest and funniest game I've played in years. I'd love to watch you stream playing it for the first time. I play it on Switch, but it's available for silly PC gamers too. It's, well, I have a Switch, and I obviously I'm a PC gamer. You know what? I'm st I am desperately trying to find a new game to do play and chats with because I'm kind of over World of Warcraft. And I don't think a lot of you guys like watching me play online poker. Um, so I'm trying to find a new game. I tried to install Final Fantasy XIV, and it took me forever. Like, it was having massive problems installing. And then once I finally got installed, I realized you can't invert the, the Y-axis on the mouse, which is an absolute must. So, I, I mean, I don't even know if I'm going to start playing Final Fantasy XIV or not. But maybe Friday the 13th is the game I'm going to have to check out, Magruber. I might have to check that one out. Thanks for the, uh, thanks for the suggestion. All right, next up. Raymond Reddington writes, Hey, John. Just wondered if on Chris Carr... Um, just wondered on if Chris Carr will be appearing on the show anytime soon. Unfortunately, probably not. Uh, would love her to appear with Kimberly on the same show. You, Kimberly, and Chris are great, a great trio. I appreciate that. Listen, I love Chris Carr. I think she's great. Um, I, her, she and I were actually messaging back and forth uh, just a month or two ago. I think she's wonderful. However, the reality is, is that we tried once Skyping her in. And it, we had, we had issues trying to Skype her in. And before that was fine because she lived close enough to me that she could just drive in and be on the show live, much like Kimberly does. Kimberly can just drive in and be on the show. But now that I've moved out of Burbank to Riverside, it's like a minimum hour long drive. If Chris wanted to come out and be on the show live, like a minimum hour long drive. And then it's an hour long drive back. So she'd literally be driving longer than she'd be on the show because normally my guests are on the show for about an hour and a half right so i i don't know i'm not going to say never uh because chris is a great contributor uh, she's fantastic but i just don't know how practically we're going to be able to make that work so uh, unfortunately I think my answer is probably not anytime soon. I'm not going to say never, but probably not anytime soon, unfortunately. Anyway, thanks. it's great that you're asking about her, though. Thanks for writing that in. All right, next up, BK Dan writes, John, just wanted to bring to everybody's attention that the first female Doctor Who, Jodie Whittaker from Doctor V Who, I don't know what that means, will be calling it quits after this season as per Variety. Yeah, I read about that. I mean, I don't care because I don't watch Doctor Who, so I mean, I don't know. But yeah, the... Um, I guess she's going to be now wrapping it up. Her tenure, her era of Doctor Who is going to be three seasons, which is longer than some Doctor Whos have lasted, uh, but will be three seasons and she's wrapping it up. Again, I don't care because I, I don't watch the show, but I'm sure that's a big deal to a lot of other people. And, uh, you know, listen, whether I watch it or not, Doctor Who is kind of a staple. It's been around a long time, man. And who's the next Doctor Who is always a big question. So they're going to have to be asking that one here pretty soon again. All right. Thanks for sending that in, BK. Next up, Maxwell and the Apocalypse writes, Now, John, as much as us movie nerds are looking forward to Dune, my question is, if it underperforms at the box office, any chance we get the sequels needed to finish the story? Probably not. Uh, what's the over-under? Thanks, and bring on more movie mans. Yes, yeah, Scott and I actually just went to go see... Uh, uh, you guys know I went to go see uh, James Gunn's Suicide Squad the other night. I actually went with Scott. Scott came with me, and we hung out there, and it was a lot of fun. Anyway, so yes, you're going to see more Scott Mance on the show. Believe that. You're going to see more Scott Mance on the show. Anyway, listen, it's not show friends, it's show business. These studios don't make movies and spend hundreds of millions of dollars just to lose money. It, it, but it also becomes a question... Not does Dune underperform, but how badly does it underperform? Because if this movie loses $50 million, like, can you imagine if all of a sudden you woke up and $5,000 was missing from your bank account? For a lot of people, that would be crippling. And while we movie fans like to imagine like these big studios as being endless money, it's not endless money. And a studio losing $5 million, let alone $50 million, is a pretty big effing deal. And so, yeah, I mean, it's like anything else. If it underperforms and they lose money, what would be their motivation? Why would they want to make another one? It's like, oh, let's lose. That losing $50 million was fun. Let's go lose another $50 million. La, 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 la. Like, 
So it all depends. If it loses five to 10 million, maybe they go, hey, the movie was awesome. Everybody knows it was awesome. If we make a sequel, more people will come and it'll make more money. But if it loses like 50 or $60 million, I, I don't see them finishing it out. But John, they've already said they're planning. It doesn't matter what they're planning. It doesn't matter what they're planning. Everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth, quoting Mike Tyson there. Everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Aragon, the movies about the dragons, yeah, the plan was to make a trilogy, but they got punched in the mouth. They made the first movie, it was terrible, and it lost them tons of money, so they never made a sequel, even though it was the plan. So yeah, they're planning on making a second Dune movie, but the whole reason Denis Villeneuve got pissed off is because Warner Brothers just backstabbed their potential, their earnings potential, because Denis Villeneuve knows if we don't meet earning potential, we're not going to get our second film made. So... It's not just a matter of if it underperforms. It's a question of how much does it underperform by? Hopefully it's a hit. But if it underperforms, you know, it loses, it breaks even or it loses 5 million or 7 million or 10 million. Eh, they can probably then still think, hey, if we make another one, we could still make profit. If they underperform by like 40 million, 50 million, 60 million, that's too big of a pill to swallow. At that point, they'll just cut cut bait and, and get lost. I mean, I. so it all depends. It all depends, Maxwell. It all depends. All right, next up. Uh, Carpe Grant writes, one of seven. Ooh, big one. Okay, we'll buckle up here. All right. So now that Scarlett has sued Disney over Black Widow's release on Disney+, Plus, I have a few theories and questions. First, although we can't 100% assume that this is a guarantee, uh, let me set an over-under for you. 98% chance that Natasha Romanoff is perma-dead in the MCU now and Scarlet will not be asked to return for that role. Yeah, I think that's pretty safe. Uh, I'm going over. Uh, I'm going over. Um, here's, here's the one thing I'll say about that, though. It looked for a long time with the legal battles going on between Warner Brothers and George Miller that we were never going to see another George Miller Mad Max film. But business is business. And once they got through their legal dispute, guess what? George Miller's making more Mad Max movies now. So I'm going to say, I think it's very, 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 before I thought 100%, Scarlett Johansson's coming back as Black Widow. Now I think it's very unlikely. But I will take under 98% because at the end of the day, everybody is in this business to make money. Everybody is. You go to work every day to make money. You are in business to make money. The studios are in the business to make money. The actors do their jobs to make money. And once they get through their legal dispute, if both sides see, hey, we can make a lot of money together, they'll do it. So I think it's very, very unlikely we ever see Scarlett Johansson back now. But 98% is too high because at the end of the day, they're all about making money. And if Scarlett Johansson thinks she can make money with Disney and Disney thinks they can make money with Scarlett Johansson, they're going to move past their personal issues and they're going to get the job done, even though I still think it's very unlikely. Anyway, um, uh, you said you're going over. Uh, second, after the Warner Brothers debacle and now this lawsuit against Disney, I foresee a day and date release possibilities and streaming in general becoming a major legal issue. Now, as I believe, studios will aggressively move to cover their butts by adding uh, these to the contracts moving forward. Well, no, they're already doing that. They're 100% already doing that. I'm not saying Dungeons and Dragons or day and date release. D&D means Dungeons and Dragons. I'm not saying day and date releases will become industry standard uh, for content viewing, but but I can't see a studio not at least making it a permanent part of contracts moving forward in the rise of the streaming era. How about you? Well, yes, they're already doing that. The problem is the talent's agents are saying, okay, if you want to put that in the contract, you're going to have to put something else in the contract that says my performer, my client gets more money if you do it the other way. Like, so it is going to change the way contracts are being done. And I guarantee you, they're already, it's already happened. I already guarantee you they've already changed the way they do the contracts, but they're going to have to, like everything else, they're going to have to negotiate it with the representation. In regards to questions, I don't understand why Scarlett would do this so late. Uh, Black Widow has been advertised for a day and date release for months before its release. If she had an issue, why not address it prior to this release? I guarantee you she did, she did address it prior to the release. Anyway, um, after the public thrashing Warner Brothers got for not talking 
talking to all invested parties prior. I can't see Disney or any studio falling into that same trap. They did fall into that same trap. Is it a case of Disney and Scarlett were in talks prior because she was also an executive producer on Black Widow regarding to compensation and those talks broke down recently uh, leading to the lawsuit being filed or do you think Alan Horn and Bergman really pulled the same stunt? Alan Horn, by the way, is no longer, he's no longer the guy. Alan Horn a uh, number, a couple of months back, he stepped back from his position. It's no longer an Alan Horn issue. Uh, it's just the t- uh, just the timing of it is extremely suspicious. Well, look, there's something you got to understand here. It is quite normal that lawsuits get filed significant amounts of time after the egregious event happens. Right? It's it's very very normal. Because there's a number of things you try to do before taking the extreme relationship-destroying measure of filing a lawsuit. Scarlett Johansson's attorneys have said publicly that they have for some time tried to get Disney to come to the table to negotiate a solution to the fact that they went day and day with their release when it was they made assurances that that wouldn't happen. And they said, okay, cool. All right, you're doing that. Well, let's get together and talk about what kind of additional compensation you're going to give Scarlett Johansson. Let's figure out what we're going to do about this. And Scarlett Johansson's lawyers have said, Disney has continuously ignored us. They have continuously ignored us. Just taking the theory, the, the, the approach that if we just ignore the problem, it'll just go away. So... Before filing a lawsuit, which is an expensive, relationship-breaking, last measure, you have to do everything you can, at least if you're smart. You try to do everything that you can to remedy the situation. You get your legal term at work to start doing tons and tons of of, of precedent research and legal research and all that kind of stuff, and you exhaust every possibility. And it's quite probable that... Once they made the announcement all the way through the release of the film, Scarlett Johansson and her lawyers were probably keep kept trying to get Disney to come to the table and negotiate. And according to Scarlett Johansson's lawyers, they continuously refused. And so then, we're not wanting to go public with this problem before the movie opened, because if she went public before the movie opened, all it was going to do was hurt the movie and hurt the box office receipts. And since a bunch of her money that she's getting is directly tied to how much box office it earns, that would have directly hurt her own income. So that wouldn't have been very smart. So you add all these things up. Number one, they tried to get Disney to negotiate. They never did. Number two, it takes time to get a lawsuit together. And number three, Once it started getting close to the release day of the movie, why would you go public with this and hurt the box office results of the movie, which ultimately hurts you? The better thing to do is, and the classier thing to do is, get through the release, promote it, hype it up, get through the release, let it be in theaters for a few weeks, and then move forward with the lawsuit. So it it actually makes absolute common sense here, Capri. It it really is just common sense. All right, good questions though, man. Excellent questions. All right, next up, BK Dan writes, John, my prediction for, for Nolan, Disney will make an obscene offer that he can't refuse and be doing films for fave six MCU. I look, I never like to say zero, but I'll say zero chance. Christopher Nolan has almost zero interest in doing comic book movies. He has said that publicly. He only likes doing original films. Um, I mean, listen, he's not, he's not, I'd rather die than do a non-original film anymore. But once he did the Batman films and he was able to write his own check, I mean, he likes to do his own original movies, period. Not based on pre-existing comic book characters and blah, 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 blah. So he has said publicly, he's really not all interested in doing comic book movies anymore, which is fine. Number two, in the last number of years, he's clearly shown he prefers to do his own original films. And I'm not so sure with Disney now pulling this day and date release nonsense that he's all that would be all that inclined to do it. Listen, Christopher Nolan's got all the money in the world. He has all the money in the world. I I just don't see and he's going to get his money no matter who he's making his movies for. No matter who. 
So while I would love to see a Christopher Nolan directed MCU film, I think the chances of that happen are like extra, maybe I shouldn't say zero, but it's extremely slim. I wouldn't hold my breath, man. I wouldn't hold my breath. All right. Next up, we got Max who writes one of two. I'm confused about Russell Crowe's role in Thor 4. Well, we should probably just wait for Thor 4 then. Uh, I know it will be a more uh, comedic cameo. We don't know that for sure. But Crowe himself said that he was playing Zeus. Since then, Marvel or none of the major trades really commented on it. Uh, So is it a misdirect or do you think the MCU is actually introducing Greek gods? Do you think Crow will be a recurring character considering Greek gods are prevalent in the comics? It's listen, honestly, Max, no theories whatsoever. I mean, we have literally nothing to go on. Now, remember, you're talking about my favorite actor. Now, my favorite movie star is Russell Crowe or is, uh, is, uh, Ryan Reynolds. But I, I think the best actor in the world today now that uh, Daniel Day-Lewis is retired, I personally think the best actor in the world today is Russell Crowe. I, I, I really do. I think, not that all of his movies are great, but his performances are always stupid. Like, I think he's the best actor in the world. Now that Daniel Day-Lewis isn't acting, I should say. Obviously, Daniel Day-Lewis is the best there is, best there was, best there ever will be. But, as a big fan of Russell Crowe, it's impossible. There's no point in speculating. Really. He like For all we know, Remember in in the last Thor, there was that drama troupe, you know, Matt Damon was Loki and all that, right? Well, that drama troupe is returning for Thor Love and Thunder. For all we know, uh, Russell Crowe is playing a member of that troupe who is playing Zeus. I mean, for all we know, uh, honestly, at this point, it's, it's such a small thing that I really don't, I just don't see there being any point to even speculating right now. I mean, I would hope it's something big and major just because it's Russell Crowe, but I really don't think it is. And until we have more to to go on, there's no point in even guessing. There's no point in even guessing until we have something to start building a theory around. But right now we got nothing. I am, I'm as anxious as anybody, Max, though, to find out what that is, because like I said, it's Russell Crowe. So uh, that's me. All right, let's move on. Next up, BK Dan writes, John, did you see that Peacock hit 55 million subscribers and is about to go across the world? Yeah, listen, and we really shouldn't be surprised. The fact of the matter is, Peacock, while I still hate that stupid name, it's a dumb, idiotic name for a streaming service. If anybody over at Universal, NBC Universal is watching this, um, you're stupid for naming it Peacock. You're idiots. Fire your marketing team. But John, you see, the Peacock has traditionally been the logo of NBC. It doesn't fucking matter. It's a stupid fucking name. It is a dumb, idiotic name. And your marketing people should be shit-canned immediately for even coming up with it. That being said, it's a damn good service. Notwithstanding the problems wrestling fans have for streaming their live events, apparently they have a lot of technical issues. But I mean, listen, it's the place where Parks and Rec lives. It's where The Office lives. I mean, it's it's a good streaming service. Ann and I watch a lot of Peacock for, I mean, just those things alone. And they got a lot of other good things there too. So, yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Uh, they've done pretty well so far. They're only going to get better. And uh, it's good to see like people other than Netflix, Amazon, or Disney or HBO also being able to get traction and have success. And uh, I'm thrilled for them, but they got to change the damn name. Anyway, that's just me. All right. Next up, uh, Max writes, I know it's hard to say, but if you are going to guess, how long do you think the MCU will last? It's impossible to say. Uh, do you think it will, uh, it will be from fatigue and declining success or it coming to a natural end? Um, it will be from fatigue and, de- and declining success. As long as these things continue to do great, and for me, the last three Marvel properties have not been great. I've liked them all, but they haven't been great. Like, I liked Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I know some people didn't, but I did. I liked Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I didn't think it was great, but I liked it. I liked Loki. I don't think it was great but I liked it. I thought it was good. I liked Black Widow. I don't think it was great. I put on the lower tier of MCU movies, but I still enjoyed it. I I liked it. 
but this is the first time ever in Marvel that I've gone three things in a row that I didn't think at least one or two of them were fantastic. WandaVision was the last thing I saw from them that I thought was great. WandaVision was awesome. Since then, I've had three things in a row that I haven't thought were great. I still like them. They get thumbs up from me, but I didn't love them. And now they're going to start to get a little watered down because now we're getting like six, seven, eight, nine, ten things a year coming out from them. You can only do so much before your quality starts to suffer. Kevin Feige is but one man. Um, at any rate, this is a business. And if it continues to make billions of dollars with big success and everybody's happy, there's no reason Disney would ever let them stop. And I get that. If and when it does stop, it's going to be they start to recognize declining returns. Our product isn't as great as it used to be. The audience isn't responding to it the way they used to. It might be now time to take a two-year break and totally relaunch a new Marvel Cinematic Universe of films. But when that'll be, I have no idea. It certainly won't be before X-Men come out, right? They got, they got plans for X-Men now. So once X-Men comes out, they're going to wait to see. So, but I mean, so it could be five years, could be four years, could be seven years. I don't know. But it's going to be from declining quality and declining interest. It won't be, if they're still running hot, there's no way Disney lets them stop. So that, that's kind of my best guess on that. All right, next up. We got Ryan Lohner who writes, uh, looks, looks like Manifest might be coming back after all. I think we all know what the writers are thinking. Oh, crap. I thought we were off the hook again. I don't watch Manifest. I gave up on it after a few episodes. I didn't think it was a very good show. Um, but there's been a lot of talk. I mean, People stopped watching. It's weird. People stopped watching it on TV, but the moment they said it was probably being canceled, it took off on Netflix. So there is a movement to try to get it saved. Maybe it will be saved. For all I know, maybe they already announced that it was saved. I don't think it has yet, but maybe it has. I don't really care because I don't think it's a very good show. But anyway, that's just me. All right, next up. Uh, Capri Grant writes, one of two. My news feed just updated with Scarlett's full side and reasoning behind the lawsuit, but essentially the issue is the same. We all knew several months in advance this was to be a day and date release. Why wait until after the re- to release the release to file when I already answered this question uh, when uh, she she could have filed the lawsuit several months prior and potentially forced Disney to release it fully theatrically. She never could have done that. That never would have happened. Uh, given your legal background, John, does this make sense to you uh, to wait until post-release if you've had around 50 plus million dollars at stake? Listen, the, the problem is this. How fast do you think the court system moves? The courts move very slowly. Just to get on the docket and get a court date is is a doing. You can file emergency stuff like that, but courts are very, very hesitant to grant that. Like, it's, it's, it's highly, first of all, it was going to be impossible for Scarlett Johansson to bring a lawsuit and get it tried and get it litigated prior to the release of Black Widow. It would have, I'm not going to say nearly impossible. It would have been impossible. Now, she could have, they could have, her lawyers could have made a motion for some kind of an injunction to force Disney to only put it out theatrically. However, without a full trial, the issue wasn't going to be as clear for a judge or a court to, to do that. That would have been highly, 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 highly unlikely that could have possibly happened. Again, the best thing for, for Scarlett Johansson to do is, and this is what I would, like if they had come to me, which would have been a big mistake on their part, if they had come to me and asked my advice when all this was starting to go down, my advice would have been, your best option is just to deal with Disney and get this straightened out. Come to a new arrangement that if they're going to do day and date, they love you, Scarlett. I'm sure they're willing to play ball with you. They'll make sure you get compensated, blah, 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 blah. Because everybody knows that would have been the right thing for Disney to do. Right? Problem is, Disney didn't. They continued to refuse to deal and refuse to deal and refuse. And by that time, you got a choice of your Scarlett Johansson. Start a relationship-destroying, very public fight prior to the movie coming out, which only hurts your income even more, or go, okay, we'll get through the release of the film, 
We'll try, we'll try to promote it and help it be as successful as possible because the more success it has, the more money I make personally. So we'll try to get through this and then we'll bring, if Disney still will not come to the table and negotiate with us in good faith, then we'll be left with no other choice but to file a lawsuit. Now, I'm reading a bunch of people online who don't have a single day of legal experience uh, venting their opinions online. Um, and, and let me say, I have never one day stepped inside of an American courtroom. Like any, any legal background I have was all done in the Canadian court system. But I will tell you this. It does not look good for Disney. I know there are a bunch of people there. I did my research on the Googles. You don't know what you're talking about. It does not look good for Disney. Between the contracts, between the paper trail of the communication between Marvel and Scarlett Johansson, between all that kind of stuff, it does not look good for Disney. Disney then trying to create a smear campaign. This is the part that really got me. Disney in their response goes, oh, this is so sad that, you know, she's she's ignoring this global tragedy of COVID. Shut up. The COVID thing had nothing to do with your relationship with Scarlett Johansson or your agreement with Scarlett Johansson. And by the way, COVID didn't stop you from capitalizing on people being at home to make millions of dollars from new subscribers to Disney+. Plus. That didn't stop you at all, did it? You were opening your parks while there was still a global pandemic going around. I wasn't against you opening your parks, mind you. Don't get me wrong. But don't play the, oh, Scarlet doesn't fully appreciate the ramifications of a global pandemic. You're opening your parks during a global pandemic. Making money off people. So don't play, I mean, to me, ultimately classless move on Disney. And I, I say this because I love Disney. Everybody knows I love Disney. Like, when something I care nothing about does something stupid, I'm like, yeah, okay, that's them. It's, I get most upset when it's things I like. Or when it's people that I like. Because then you care. I'm a big Disney fan. Everybody knows this. But that just makes me even more upset with them when I see them doing such shit foolery. And I, I don't know. That's that's just me. That's just, that's just everybody's entitled to their own opinion. That's just mine. All right. Anyway, next up, um, uh, Anton Riley writes. I don't think Miss Marvel will come out this year. Why would Disney announce Hawkeye first if Miss Marvel is coming out before it? They've done stuff like that before. Anyway, uh, and if it does come out this year, it won't finish its run this year. Well, that's not necessarily true. Uh, I know. Sorry. Yeah, I know uh, Alonzo said they would both come out this year, but doesn't Disney decide the dates these series will come out? The plan could still change, but I don't think Miss Marvel is a 2021 release. I mean, that's possible. Listen, it's absolutely possible. When they announced that Hawkeye's coming out at the end of November, that doesn't leave any room for Ms. Marvel to come out after it, still in 2021. So it could be coming out in 2022, but that it just makes no sense to me. It's not like she announced seven months ago that both Hawkeye and Ms. Marvel would be coming out in 2021. She just announced, she just said this publicly like a week or two ago. Like it was literally just a week or two ago that they said this. So it seems very strange. It, hey, and strange things happen. Totally. So it could possibly be bumped to 2022. So could Book of Boba Fett. But I still think there's a very real chance that they're just going to announce. Maybe they just have, maybe they know roughly when they're going to put Ms. Marvel out, but they don't have the exact date down yet. Like, is it going to be October 1st or is it going to be October 8th? You know, maybe they just haven't nailed that down yet. But whatever. It is possible it gets pushed to 2022. But the fact that just a week or two ago, a big Marvel executive said it is coming out in 2021, that leads me to believe there's still a decent chance it's just going to come out before Falcon or before Hawkeye. Um, and, and we'll find out soon enough. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. We'll have to, we'll find out very, very soon though, Anton. We will find out very, very soon. All right, next up, Chuck the Mystery writes. Hey, John, I was just asking you the other day for an over-under on Jeffrey Wright being in Batgirl. I would have said 
I would have said 90% if I didn't already say it before. Uh, and I'm sitting here watching your off the top on J.K. Simmons. So new question, over under 30% that we see any other Justice League actors in Batgirl. Thanks. Okay, so this is, of course, connected to the story that, you know, J.K. Simmons is going to be in Batgirl. Which is totally confusing. Because when they announce, uh, look, HBO Max is doing a Gotham series that they've already officially said is tied in directly to the Robert Pattinson Batman. They've already said it. That's official. So now HBO Max also has this Batgirl movie coming out. And I think a lot of us, myself included, thought, well, since the other HBO thing, Gotham, is connected to the Batman, to the Robert Pattinson Batman... This Batgirl probably is too. And then once they cast Leslie, um, uh, uh, Leslie Grace, is that her name? Yeah, from In the Heights. It's like, oh, well, yeah, it would make tr- perfect sense that she is Jeffrey Wright's daughter because Jeffrey Wright is playing Commissioner Gordon in the Ben Affleck, or in the Ben Affleck, in the Robert Pattinson Batman. So yeah, okay, so yeah, clearly, Jeffrey Wright will be Commissioner Gordon in this Batgirl, and this is going to be part of the Robertson, uh, Robert Pattinson Batman, and then all of a sudden they announce, Deadline comes out and lets us know that J.K. Simmons is coming back to reprise the role of Commissioner Gordon, which means it is not connected to the Robert Pattinson Batman, but rather connected to the mainline DCEU, which I, I listen, totally surprised me. If you had asked me for an over-under that just before the J.K. Simmons announcement, if you had asked me for an over-under that this new Batgirl was going to be connected to the Robert Pattinson Batman, I would have said 95%. 95 minimum. And obviously, I would have been very wrong. But yeah, this was very, very... Now, over-under 30% that we see any other Justice League actors, if, if we do, it'll be minor, minor players. Like, I don't think we're going to see Flash in a direct-to-HBO Max movie. I don't think we're going to see um, Superman in a direct-to-HBO Max movie. I So maybe some minor character. Maybe Iris West. I don't know. Uh, so if it's a minor character, over 30%. Major character, I'll go under 30%. Uh, so that's my guess for now. All right, next up. We got Jordan Wilson who writes, Hey, John. Have you got around to sinking your teeth into the glorious Fargo series yet? Nope. I have been wanting to watch Fargo for a long time and I've never gotten around to watching. I mean, I love the movie Fargo that, that I love, but I've never watched the TV show. If you haven't, I would definitely recommend it. Season one is great. Season two is in my opinion, even better. Season three is quality television. Season four, not so much. Yeah. I heard a lot of people weren't so thrilled with season four. I don't know. Again, I haven't watched any of it, so I don't know, but yeah, at some point, Jordan, I got to get around to it ever since season one. Like I just remember people louding season one, just loving it. And then season two, loving it. So at some point I, I, and I really, I don't have any reason. It's not like I saw the previews for it and didn't think it looked very good. I just never got around to it. So at some point I do want to check it out. Thanks for keeping that on my radar, Jordan. I really appreciate that. All right. Next up we got, was that Jordan? Yes. Next up we got Tom Gillard who writes, Scar Joe's lawsuit won't work. Bob Chapek sprays himself with pheromones that prevent her from suing them. <laughs> okay, if you have not seen the Black Widow movie, you don't know what Tom is talking about. But Tom, I will give it to you. That that's that's actually pretty funny. All right, next up we've got Anthony R. Who writes one of three. As a comic book movie fan, I pay attention and clearly understand what is DCEU, non DCEU, etc. But with DC. Casual fans are getting confused just a little bit. Even I thought Batgirl was separate until J.K. Simmons was cast as Gordon again. You and me both, Anthony. You and me both. Uh, People thought that the DCU was dead or on its way out the door. Not really. Anyway, uh, but we still have Aquaman 2, Black Adam, Shazam 2, Suicide Squad 2, Batgirl, uh, and The Flash using characters from this universe. The Batman and Joker are separate for now. Um, From my understanding, Joker started a DC Elseworlds universe. Do you think Warner Brothers will officially announce the structure of all their DC movies, or do you think they are waiting for The Flash to come out because it's supposed to soft reset the universe Uh, here's my guess anthony and it's only a guess it is strictly and exclusively only a guess 
my guess is there is no real structure. There's the DCEU. This this is my guess, but I think we will get a lot more answers when Flash does come out. I think you're right about that. Um, I think we will know a lot more and get a better idea once Flash comes out. Because if they're going to start doing something like that, it's fine. They're still never going to integrate Joker, like Joaquin Phoenix Joker in or anything like that. But I think it's going to be the DCU and then everything else is Elseworld stuff. But even that becomes a little bit complicated because as we were talking about a little bit earlier, HBO Max's Gotham series is going to be tied into the Robert Pattinson Batman. So... It almost seems like they're going to have the mainline DCEU and then they're going to have the a Robert Pattinson's own little universe with Gotham, his movie, and whatever spinoffs they have from that. And then it seems like they're going to just do standalone Elseworlds like Michael B. Jordan's Val Zod Superman, like Joaquin Phoenix's The Joker. So that's what it looks like for now. But uh, again, I don't know. Maybe they have much more convoluted plans than that. And maybe Flash will give us all the answers. Or maybe Flash really will just differentiate for us. This is DCU. Everything else is non. Everything else DC is just DC, not DCEU. So I don't know. It's going to be really, really interesting to see how they go with that, Anthony. All right. Next up. And this is the final question of the day, guys. Uh, This one comes to us from Sam Fisher, who writes, the title for King Richard, to me, made it made. Let me try this again. The title for King Richard, to me, made it seem like the movie was going to be about Richard as a tyrannical, demanding, and borderline abusive coach. But this trailer doesn't make the movie seem that way. Was I wrong about that, or did the trailer not show it? I mean, I don't know, Sam. I haven't seen the movie. <laughs> You're asking me like I've seen the movie. I haven't seen the movie. But I gotta just. Dis- I mean, I disagree. I never once thought the name King Richard. That never once to me suggested that he was going to be, that he was a bastard and an asshole and just this terrible, terrible person. I, to me, the, tra- the the title, I should say, the title never gave me that impression. It, it never gave me that impression that that was going to be uh, what it was about. So I just heard the title, King Richard. Okay. And then I watched the trailer and it seemed, oh, this is great. But I, I don't know. I, and obviously I'm a little bit biased for it because the trailer features the John Campia shown's own Aaron Cummings in the trailer, which is great. And I'm super happy for her. she's coming over to my place tomorrow after the show is done. But anyway, um, yeah, so I'm still, but by, but I, I like, again, you had one reaction when you heard the title and that's totally fair, uh, but I never personally had that reaction. So I never once for a second thought that that's what the movie was going to be about. I really didn't. Um, not to mention, I don't think Venus and Serena Williams would allow a movie to be made about their father, who they clearly adore, uh, to, to paint him in such a negative light. So, I don't know. It's all our own little interpretations of the title, I suppose. All right. Thanks for sending that in, Sam. And listen, guys, there are still more questions to come from Sam and Diego and Charlie Lives and a few others. Do not worry. We're going to pick up right where we left off on tomorrow's John Campia show. And by the way, tomorrow's John Campia show is going to be me, Robert Meyer Burnett, and... Kimberly Curran is going to be joining us as well. So it's going to be the three of us on tomorrow. I hope you guys will come by and join us. We've already got a bunch of stories lined up for tomorrow. We cannot wait to talk about them with you tomorrow. Uh, Don't forget, guys, as well, all these questions got sent in by you guys using the tip link. If you want to send in a question that gets read on the show or in a companion video, simply go down into the description of this video and you'll see a tip link. And it's a great way to support the channel as well. Just click on that tip link. Or you can enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or question read here on the show if, of course, it's appropriate for the show. And, of course, more importantly, you're supporting the channel as you do it. And all of us involved here at the John Campus Show, thank you guys so very much for your support. Okay, guys, don't forget to do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and please take care of the people around you. That'll do it for me for now, guys. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.